lesson for this third Sunday in Advent is found recorded in the book of Isaiah, chapter 61, beginning at verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the afflicted. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release for those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and the day of vengeance for our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a cloak of praise instead of faint spirit, so that they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord to display his beauty. I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul will celebrate because of my God. For he has clothed me in garments of salvation. With a robe of righteousness he covered me. Like a bridegroom who wears a beautiful headdress. Like a priest. And like a bride who adorns herself with her jewelry. For as the earth produces its growth, and as a garden causes what has been sown to sprout up, so that God the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up in the presence of all the nations. This is the word of the Lord. Our second lesson is found recorded in St. Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 5, beginning at verse 16. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not extinguish the Spirit, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but, but test everything, hold on to the good, keep away from every kind of evil. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. This is the word of the Lord. We read from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, beginning at the sixth verse. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as an eyewitness to testify about the light so that everyone would believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. This is the testimony John gave when the Jews from Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny. He confessed, I am not the Christ. And, he asked, and they asked him, Who are you then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? No, he answered. Then they asked him, Who are you? Tell us so we can give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourselves? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, just as Isaiah the prophet said. They had been sent from the Pharisees. So they asked John, why then do you baptize 
if you are not the Christ or Elijah or the prophet. I baptize with water, John answered. Among you stands one you do not know. He is the one coming after me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to untie. These things happened in Beth Bethany beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing. This is the gospel. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for consideration is found recorded. The, it is the epistle, St. Paul's letter, first letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 5, beginning at verse 16. And I would like to read these beautiful words once more. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not extinguish the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test everything. Hold on to the good. Keep away from every kind of evil. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. This is the word of the Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, it was Friday noonish, and I just ordered at Taco Bell and was now pulled up behind a vehicle that was actually paying for their order and receiving food. And I was waiting for my turn and got my credit card out and, and made sure it was ready so I could hand it to, to the attendant at the window. And all of a sudden, as I'm waiting, I get this woman in the vehicle ahead of me. It looked at first, she was banging on the top of her vehicle. And I thought, well, that's kind of strange, but well, to each his own, you know, as she's hitting on top. And then as she was driving away, I realized she wasn't hitting the top. She was actually trying to wave at me. I don't even know who the person is. So when I pulled up to the window to pay, she, he said, well, it's going to be your day. And I thought, well, what do you mean? The lady ahead of you just paid for your order. So I said, well, I'll tell you what. I'll pay for the guy behind me. <laughs> Thinking to myself, I hope he didn't have a large order. <laughs> and then, and then it, he said, no, he paid by mobile. I said, well, is there someone I can pay? <laughs> well, no, there's no one else in line. And then after I got the food, you know how your sinful mind likes to work. Oh, I should have ordered more. <laughs> but what a kind thing. And what a very kind thing to do. And especially because on Friday, I felt a little on the crabby side. And it really lifted up my heart. I have a new pet peeve of recent. And I don't sit this uh, to be sassy in any way, but I don't know. Have you noticed the letters you've been getting or whether it's your insurance company, or whether it's your doctor's office or dentist. I mean, it doesn't matter who you get it from. It doesn't even matter if you're getting letters from the Wisconsin Synod, 
of which Salem is a member. All these letters start the same way. In fact, I skip usually the first paragraph and get to right to the end to see what they want. But all the letters, and you know what I'm talking about. Well, we have a very difficult time. This is a very sad time. We're dealing with the coronavirus. And then, and then everyone seems to be upset about the elections. And everything is so sourpuss that I'm getting tired of hearing it. Is everything all going down the toilet? Is everything all going bad? Is, is, is this the worst year we've ever had, as some will claim? Well, no, we all have good and, and bad during the entire year. No, everything is not so bad. And in fact, it's time to rejoice. Is the coronavirus going to ruin Christmas? Well, if your Christmas is only about buying presents and exchanging them and putting up lights and making a dinner and, and so forth, well, yeah, that could get ruined. But to ruin Christmas? No way. Not even Satan himself can do that. Because Christmas is not about getting together and having parties and, and, and putting up lights and exchanging presents. Christmas is about the Christ child, the very Son of God taking on human flesh in order to be our substitute. That's our Savior who took our place and, and kept that law perfectly for us and offered that perfect life as an atoning sacrifice on the cross for the sins of the world, including our own. That's a fact. That cannot change. And therefore, Christmas can never be ruined. So I find it a pure joy in my heart when, when I'm drawn to the attention of St. Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, where at the end of his letter, he makes an important point, rejoice. And he's speaking to people who are persecuted far more than we are. They were being persecuted for their faith. And yet, in light of all the persecution, in the light of any kind of sadness, he writes to them, rejoice. In fact, he says, rejoice always. Now that seems silly. How can you always be happy? And especially when times maybe look difficult and, and you're even being persecuted and afflicted. When you find yourself very depressed. How can you say, during those times, I'm going to rejoice when you don't feel like rejoicing? Is, he, is this just pure fantasy on his part? Like, like Dorothy going down the yellow brick road to the Wizard of Oz? No. Rejoice always. Yes, even in the time of sorrow and sadness, and especially those times, because we're talking about the joy that you can sink your teeth into. This is meat and potatoes, my friends. Because it is founded on the pure word of God and on the gospel of what Christ has done for us. And that, my friends, is not a fantasy. So even in sadness, we turn to the Lord with complete confidence, knowing that he made us and gave his life to save us. 
Yes, even in the light of sadness, there is joy because there's hope and there's peace that Jesus is our Savior and heaven is our home. So along with rejoicing always, he goes on to say, pray without ceasing. Don't stop praying. Well, that's got to be silly in and of itself to pray continually. Seriously? Well, what about times when I eat or times when I sleep? Well, I'm not praying those during those times. Well, if all prayer is for you is simply folding your hands and bowing your heads at, at a few times during the day, then you're missing out on what prayer is really intended by God himself. It is a gift. We're constantly praying to him. We're constantly thinking of the Lord as we're giving glory to his holy name, as we take our requests to him, knowing that he will hear and answer our prayers. Prayer is our life. It consumes our life and the life that is in Christ Jesus. So there's nothing silly about praying without ceasing. And there's certainly nothing silly about praying with a thankful heart. Remember the ten lepers who were healed by Jesus? He told them to now go sh show themselves to the priests. And as they were going to the priests, here they were cured of that skin disease, leprosy. And one of them, when he saw that he was cured, turned around and actually thanked the Lord. And it was Jesus who said, where is the other nine? Only one came back to give thanks. Yes, it is God's will to give him the glory, and to give him all thanks and praise. And we certainly can do that even during difficult times. Once again, knowing that he hears and answers our prayers, knowing that he gave his life for us, that's something to be thankful for. In fact, can you think of anything greater? Give thanks, knowing that this is God's will. Do you see what Paul is doing here? He just listed some do's. Do this. And now he's going to go on to list some don'ts. Because if you're doing this, then you won't be doing that. And it always makes me think of the Garden of Eden. It thinks, makes me think of the two trees that God put in the middle of the garden. There was a tree of life. He told them to go and eat that one. That's a do. And then he, when they came to the tree of the life of good, of the knowledge of good and evil, he said, don't eat from that one, a don't. And I read one time that what God set up here was not some test to see if they would listen to him, but what he was actually setting up was worship. Because worship in its most basic form is do what God tells you to do, don't do what he forbids. And here we have statements that are just not, oh, the latest philosophies that you are to listen to and be awed by, but these are statements of worship. And when it comes to worship, don't, do not extinguish the Spirit. Don't put out the Spirit's fire. The Holy Spirit works and lives within your heart. 
but he doesn't simply live there and do it because he's just hanging out. No, he's always working in your heart. But he doesn't work just using thin air. He always uses a means. And that means it's the gospel, the good news, as found in his holy word and as used in the sacraments. That's what gives the sacraments their power and authority. It is the Holy Spirit living in your hearts, always testifying of Jesus Christ, the babe of Bethlehem. Do not extinguish the Holy Spirit's fire in calling you to faith and through that gospel strengthening your hearts to hold to the truth. Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And how do you extinguish the Holy Spirit's fire? By extinguishing the means that he uses. When we get away from God's word and become apathetic, and when we become indifferent, and not take to heart that holy word of God, then we're avoiding the means that the Holy Spirit works to testify in your heart that Jesus is the only Lord and Savior. And therefore, it is not surprising that St. Paul also goes on to, to, to write, do not treat prophecies with contempt. Prophecy is what a prophet does, and a prophet speaks God's word to God's people. So in a nutshell, prophecy is God's word. Do not treat it with contempt. Do not treat it as something you disdain. But the word in the original language also carries the idea, do not rob it of its authority. When you put other things above God's word, when you put even your own human reasoning and what you think God should do and what you think God should say and have a religion that's based on what you think the Bible is about, you are treating his word with contempt. And you're certainly robbing it of its authority. Prophecy is God's word. And so listen to God's word. Take it to heart. But always know that it is God's word. This isn't my religion to do with what I want. This is God's religion. And listen with a heart that is eager to take him at his word. And use that word as he also intended it to be used. Use it to test everything. And by the way, the test is rather simple here. He says, but test everything. Hold on to the good. Keep away from every kind of evil. Everything God says is good, you hang on to it. And by the way, that word, that word hold on to, is actually means to hang on and not let go. I always think of a little itty-bitty baby. And if you've ever put your finger out and that little itty-bitty baby will, will grab that finger, you'll notice they grab it so tight you can even see the white in their fingers. And they won't let it go. You can pull it, and they won't let it go. That's holding on to God's word and holding on to what is good. Don't ever let it go. It's part of you. It belongs to you. And it is not to be tossed aside and ignored. And along with holding on, hey, of keep away from any, every kind of evil. The word evil here is actually that Greek word where we get our English word 
pornography. It means wickedness of the worst kind. Avoid that evil. And it says here, every kind of evil, which also means every visible form that it takes, especially even the hint of evil. Maybe you're not doing it, but if you're giving the hint of being evil, God would say, don't even do that. Because keep in mind, sinful thoughts lead to sinful actions. And so it's not surprising that there are two commandments that say, don't even covet. All of this, these beautiful statements of worship, all Paul is doing here is telling them to do this. So you would have expected that his prayer to the Lord would be, um, God, you know, let him do it. But instead, he prays to God for God to sanctify that person, for God to move them to be blameless, for God to work in their hearts, because without the Lord, they couldn't do any of these things. Without the power of the Holy Spirit pointing to Jesus Christ, we would say yes to sin. But because of the Holy Spirit moving our hearts to believe in Christ, we actually say no to sin as we pray, God, have mercy on me, a sinner, trusting in the forgiveness that is ours in him alone. So hearing Paul say this, these words are not words to take it or leave it. These are not words to go in one ear and out the other. And above all, these words stand above any other words that are out there. And especially the famous saying that we constantly hear over and over again that many people think is godly, but there's nothing godly about it because it doesn't come from God. And I'm talking about the theme, be good for goodness sake. Instead of following that, be in Christ Jesus. And hear what God actually does say. And what he actually says is, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not extinguish the Spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test everything. Hold on to the good. Keep away from every kind of evil. This, my friends, is a Merry Christmas. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.